Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good morning, race fans. 1134 here on WGR Sports Radio 550. And welcome to another edition of WGR's Fast Track. A little late this morning. We uh, appreciate uh, our regular listeners for uh, waiting with us through the Alex Rodriguez press conference. For those of you that just caught the A-Rod presser and want to hear more about uh, A-Rod and the Yankees, you can tune to our sister station, uh, ESPN 1520. They have more live coverage uh, on ESPN Radio concerning Alex Rodriguez' announcement that he will play his final Major League game this Friday for the New York Yankees. We're going to go right to the AT&T hotline, though, and bring in our first guest of the morning, a native of Wellsville, New York. He now works down in Charlotte at NASCAR's office, where he's uh, the managing director of communications. Kurt Colbert joins us on the line live from Watkins Glen. Kurt, good morning. Good morning, Dave. How are you, pal? Doing fantastic. Uh, what a, a great weekend at Watkins Glen. It, what a, uh, compared to Pocono, uh, the, the weather is phenomenal, and uh, this is going to be an exciting day for uh, for NASCAR. Oh, yes, it is, and the weather has been spectacular all weekend. And Yeah, we got a little bit delayed there in Pocono, but I've talked to several people this morning and said, wow, is the weather like this in western New York all the time? And I always tell them we are, but I'm a little bit biased. But <laughs> it's gorgeous. There are a few clouds in the sky at Watkins Glen, but they're all white. And they're, uh, they, they hide the sun every once in a while. Nice breeze. What a beautiful day for the race. Well, Kurt, let's, let's start about you. Let's uh, just tell your story. We've had other folks that uh, came from West New York and now work in NASCAR in the motorsports industry. We've talked to people like uh, you know Tim Dewar and uh, sure. my buddy Tim Packman when he worked down south. Of course, now he's back up here with us. And you know, Michael Printup we talk to all the time. But uh, tell your story, how you went from uh, growing up in Wellsville to working for NASCAR. Well, and thanks to A-Rod, I'll make sure I keep it to the brief version of it. But, yeah, I grew up in Wellsville, New York, and my dad uh, is a mechanic, or was a mechanic, rather, and uh, worked on farm implements. So it was a bit of a natural transition to be a fan of the sport of NASCAR. Went up to Rochester, went to St. John Fisher College, and actually did a thesis on NASCAR and the growth of the sport and how it correlated to the media coverage of it. Uh, That kind of spawned into being a, a... motorsports and NASCAR reporter for several years in Lynchburg, Virginia, coming out of college. And honestly, that was uh, 18 seasons ago, and I just kind of have never left the sport. I've kind of transitioned from one role to the next and joined NASCAR. Uh, I consulted for NASCAR for three years and then actually joined them uh, as an organization about four and a half years ago. Mm. Uh, And and it's been a great run and, and still a fan of the sport, no question about it. And there are a ton of great fans in Western New York, so it's, it's kind of a neat trend. There, there still are, to your point, a lot of people who grew up in the Buffalo area, who grew up in Western New York, who work in the sport, and it's, it's a nice little uh, group of folks. We have a lot of Bills fans, no question. We all on Sundays try to keep up with the Bills score as we're watching the races. Yeah, the guys like TJ Majors and uh, also um, uh, Pete Troutman, uh, on-track official, of course, uh, lots of great West New York people in NASCAR. Uh, for the, for those that don't know, uh, on a typical race weekend, do you have any duties on a race weekend, or are you more strictly uh, just working out of the Charlotte office? No, I usually travel to about three-quarters of the events, and uh, I oversee the team that works very close with everything that happens in public relations 
for all of our events, and that includes over a thousand events when you look at all the series we have. Mm-hmm. I travel uh, with the Sprint Cup series most of the time, and, and certainly the companion events that are a part of that. And my job on that weekend is to work with the team to make sure we're um, helping facilitate media that are on site. We help promote a lot of the storylines that are active on any given weekend. And then, um, candidly, if something were to go awry during the race weekend, I'm also there to, to work with our executives and, and stay very close to the best of them. I spend a lot of time in race control during the actual events and, um, you know, just monitor what's going on to, to best facilitate and service the media as best as possible to answer any questions and make sure they have all the statistics, data, and information that they need to cover the race. Well, you did have a little bit of breaking news this weekend, although we kind of knew about it after uh, last week at a Pocono, the uh, unveiling of Eric Jones's new ride with Furniture Row Racing. And, Kurt, uh, exciting to see Furniture Row expand to two cars for 2017 and to give a young guy like Eric Jones a big boost here. No question, and it's a great team. For what that team has done, working out of Colorado, which is a bit foreign for most of the industry, with anywhere from 80 to 90% of the industry being within 60 miles of the Charlotte area. Mm-hmm. And to see how well Martin Truex Jr. has run and really helped put that team along with Toyota um, to make it a contender every single week. When they unload that race car, they're fast. And it's really neat to see it. And the fact that they're going to have a second car, we expect that that's only going to make a great field even better any given week. And Eric Jones, let me tell you something. If you're a NASCAR fan and you don't currently have an allegiance to a driver, consider Eric. Number one, he's 19 years old. He is, um, you know, just a, a star in the making, but better than that, he's a great kid. Mm-hmm. I actually went to a Bills game with Eric. You just reminded me of that. I went to a Bills game with him in Miami a couple years ago <laughs> and uh, got to know him real well. And just, I'm excited that he's going to be a part of our sport for more than the next two decades. And he's going to win a ton of races. He's already won a lot in the Xfinity Series and the, and the Camping World Truck Series. He's going to win at the Sprint Cup Series level. He's going to see a transition in the sport that's harder than anything he's ever experienced. But he is the true epitome of talent helping drive him through the ranks, and he's going to be a star. That uh, th- that must have been the Homestead weekend a couple of weeks ago when the Bills played Miami the same weekend as Homestead. I know a, lo- uh, a lot of Bill- Bills fans in the NASCAR community got a chance to enjoy that, check that out. But Eric Eric's from Michigan, so I'm, I'm assuming uh, he's probably a Lions fan, unfortunately. Uh, you know what? I think uh, we helped make him a Bills fan that weekend. Because- All right. If you've ever been down there to Miami, um, you know, if, if for a build weekend, it tends to be a lot of Bills fans in the parking lot. So we made him, if he's not a full-blown Buffalo Bills fan, he's at least an honoree <laughs> fan. And we helped, uh, I'd like to say we played a small role in making that, uh, making that happen. Very good. Kurt Culber joining us from NASCAR. Kurt, let's go back to, to, to last weekend for a brief minute here with uh, Pocono. Uh, a, what, what kind of challenges do you face when you have to deal with postponements and races being moved to a Monday? And B, when you have a under-the-radar winner like Kurt, Chris Buescher, uh, a name not familiar to, to fans that don't follow the sport very closely, uh, does that force you guys to work a little bit harder to kind of maybe – uh, spread, you know, get get more out about who Chris is and what he means to the sport with this his win last weekend or actually last Monday. It does. It actually it helped us. I'll talk about the Busher part first. Dave, we actually have a group that is in place for moments just like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, for those of you who didn't, are not familiar or less familiar with Chris Busher, rather, he was an Xfinity Series champion last year. He's a young star who has the respect of the garage, and that's an important thing for any young driver who's coming through our ranks. But as soon as that win happened, we were fast on the trigger. We had media tours set up so folks could get to know him a little bit better. And uh, Chris is another young man who's 
who's uh, destined to have a long career in our sport uh, and one that I know fans are going to come to appreciate. On the rain itself, it was interesting. And we've, with a season the length of ours, where we start the second week in February and run through the third week in November, it's not uncommon to face some kind of a weather challenge throughout the season. And, and we're first in it probably better than we want to be, uh, just knowing what we need to do. But first and foremost, you want to try to get the event that occur on the day that it's scheduled. We have all the race fans that are coming, and Pocono, unfortunately, had one of the biggest fan, fan totals that was, that was expected in years right. come to that event. So you try everything you can to get the get the race in. When weather just makes it impossible, you start going into planning for the next day. And we're thankful that we were able to get a majority of it in. And unfortunately, it wasn't every lap that was on the on the docket for the day, but we got the lion's share in and it's the fog. I mean, that was something I, I have not seen very often in, in the 18 seasons I've been around the sport, but you couldn't see into the turn one and you certainly couldn't see the tunnel turn from the front stretch or even the tower where we were sitting. Uh, so that was a bit of a unique experience, but one that uh, we were able to adjust and candidly it helped that the next race was Watkins Glen. It was just yeah. and a half hours up the road. So our TV folks were able to pull up all the cords and, and get up here that evening and start setting up for what is going to be a fantastic uh, race later today here at Watkins Glen. Kurt, last thing, uh, obviously you're well-versed on the Buffalo market, but what does the the Buff, I, Buffalo media market, I know it's, 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 it's the bottom of the top 50 in the Nielsen rankings, but we do draw some ratings. I, I've had discussions with Mike Ford. Uh, he, he called me one day. He was surprised Buffalo was top 10 rating market a couple of seasons ago for some of the early season races. There is a, a core audience of NASCAR fans here. Some people don't don't see it as much, but I, 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 I've definitely noticed it, and, and it seems like the folks in NASCAR do have taken notice of it as well. And I'd like to give WGR some credit for that, too. There's no question that you guys have a large fan base that listens to your show, Dave, every week, but also – that listens to our races and I've preached it for many years and I spend a lot of time in Western New York. I still have a farm in Allegheny County. And every time I'm here, the racing in NASCAR is the talk on every one of our local radio stations around the area. And, and you, we certainly have a passionate fan base. You see it whenever you go out to restaurants or whenever you go out to stores and you see people wearing NASCAR gear, it makes sense to me. So even when people like Mike Ford or, are wondering, man, where's that fan base come from? It's not a surprise to me. It is a passionate fan base that we have all across the country. But I think it's, and yes, I am biased. I'm a Western New York guy. <laughs> but I think it's um, it's definitely one of the biggest and best fan bases that we have in the area. And, yes, the TV numbers have grown the last two years in the Buffalo market. So we want to see that continue. And hopefully uh, great racing at Watkins Glen helps drive that a little bit, too. Uh, it's like I tell a lot of people too that once you go outside the, uh, the the city limits and outside of the first ring suburbs, uh, it does get pretty rural when you go to the east and the north and the south. So there are a lot of uh, fans that can identify with the, the the core base of NASCAR fans as well too, because we do have a lot of uh, rural areas here in the Western New York community. Uh, Kurt, thank you so much for the time this morning. Great to talk to you. Uh, it's so great always catching up with anybody from Western New York involved with NASCAR. Enjoy the race today, and we'll be listening here on WGR and watching and i uh, of course i should mention this it's on the usa network this afternoon it is one last thing to just give you a heads up on dave i'm actually hanging up the phone now i'm headed down to the track because marcel darius is getting into the pace car with brett bodine and taking a few laps he's here with us today he's a huge nascar fan so i'm, I'm thankful to, to uh, rex ryan and the entire staff up there for giving the boys a day off today and we'll expect several of those Bills players here at the track but um, i'll let him know you said hello and thanks to all the listeners at WGR, and um, you know, have a great day. And to your point, if you can't catch it on the radio, 
It's going to be on USA Network, which is a little bit different this week. So when your fans are, are searching for it, know that it's there today at 2.30. That's great to hear. I know Michael Printup always tries hard to get some of the bills to the race, but it is hard with training camp, but that's cool that it worked out today. Uh, is Marcel wearing his sailor cap again like he did at Daytona? He just got here, so I haven't even seen him yet, but I wouldn't be shocked if he's not in Chase Elliott uh, gear because he's a big Chase Elliott fan, which, go figure, a guy from Alabama rooting for a guy from from uh, Georgia. Yeah, yeah <laughs> a little bit crazy, but, um, yeah, big fan, and I'll make sure uh, we say hello to him. All right, very good. Take care, Kurt. Thanks, Dave. Talk to you soon, pal. Yep. All right, Kurt Colbert from NASCAR, uh, Western New York native, and uh, that's cool. I did not know that uh, Marcel Dar- Darius was going to be at the race. I did know he went to Daytona uh, back in July, the, the Coke Zero 400 weekend, and he did get to hang out with Chase Elliott. And uh, there's a picture of him with that, that sailor hat that he has and he, with Chase Elliott. So Marcel is at the Glen and maybe a couple other bills, too. That's, uh, that's pretty neat that they were able to pull that off because it is hard with the, the training cap schedule, although it's nice to have them close to the Glen there in Pittsburgh. When we come back, uh, again, we're on to 1 o'clock this afternoon. We're going to do our usual local racing roundup segment here for the, the final segment of the 11 o'clock hour. But stay tuned. We'll be on from 12 to 1, and then we'll have the race here on WGR starting at 1.30 today. So stay tuned. We'll be back with more Fast Track here on WGR. Hey, race fans, it's Dave Buchanan for my friends at Batavia Downs. Batavia Downs Gaming is the area's premier entertainment destination, and the place just looks phenomenal these days. They've done a lot of work renovating the main entrance and the gaming floor there at Batavia Downs. The place just looks out of this world. And while you're there, check out all the great games. They've got all those movie and TV-themed games as well, too, like The Hangover, Titanic, Family Guy, Sex and the City, Michael Jackson, ZZ Top, Wheel of Fortune. They've got tons of awesome games at Batavia Downs. And while you're there, you can stop by and check out 34 Rush, Thurman Thomas, a sports bar right inside Batavia Downs. Grab yourself a bite to eat. They've got delicious food and a great lineup of adult beverages and ice-cold beers. Uh, and you can check out all of Thurman's memorabilia that's on display right inside 34 Rush as well, too. His Hall of Fame jacket, jerseys from when he played here in Buffalo. A uh, real cool trip down uh, history with uh, Thurman and when he played here in Buffalo at 34 Rush. Also stop by Italian's uh, Fortune's Italian Restaurant inside Batavia Downs as well, too, if you're looking to take your significant other out for a bite to eat. They have great uh, pasta and pizza dishes there as well, too. Batavia Downs Gaming is open every day from 8 a.m. until 4 a.m., and they're right off the thruway, exit 48, right in the middle of Batavia. You can't miss it. Be sure to follow Batavia Downs Gaming on Facebook and Twitter for updated info and all promotions and to discover why Batavia Downs Gaming is the area's premier entertainment destination and tell them you heard about him right here on fast track let's find out who visited victory lane this weekend it's time for the local racing roundup on wgr's fast track and let's start friday night action lancaster national dragway joe masulo got the win in top eight bill balzer senior in top et dale ecker got his fourth win of the year in mod et mike nearhoff in bikes and sleds and dan nab got the win in street et friday night at lancaster Ransomville Speedway on a Friday night. It was Pete McDell in the 358 Modifieds over Tommy Flanagan. Greg Martin got the Sportsman win. Jaron Israel in the Street Stocks. Brendan O'Keefe in the Four Bangers. And Andrew Spurbach got his second win of the year in the uh, Novice Sportsman. Lancaster Speedway last night. Jake Lyon, or yesterday afternoon, I should say. Jake Lyon got the win in the Sportsman. Dave Whitaker got credit for the late model win. Keith Flanagan got the Street Stock victory. And it was Bobby Woke getting credit for the win in the four cylinders last night at Lancaster. Holland Speedway last night, they had twin charger features. They were split by Rich Carnes and Dave Vona. Dave Wallaber, another win in the night, but TQ Midgets. Jeff Safranik in the Hornets. Carl Villardo, the fourth, another Legends win 
and Daryl Phillips in the uh, rookie four cylinders. Merrittville Speedway last night. Kyle Rothwell in the mini stocks. Craig Velasic in the Pro 4 trucks. Mark Fawcett in the Hoosier stocks. And Brent Bigelow got Brad Rouse on the final lap to win the sportsman race. And also Tommy Flanagan got the modified win last night at Merrittville. Genesee Speedway last night. It was Brady Wonderling in the crate late models. Kyle Inman, another sportsman win. Dave Dubois in the 360 late models. Butch Zimmerman in the street stocks. Bill Weller Jr. in the mini stocks. Cole Hicks in the Bandits and John Smith getting the uh, micro sprint feature. And our guest coming up in the next hour, Katie Knoll, finished third last night at the uh, Genesee Speedway. Wyoming County Speedway last night. Neil Deitch Jr., who ran at Lancaster earlier in the day, loaded up and actually uh, switched cars, too. He jumped aboard uh, Paul Graff's uh, number 44 sportsman and got the win in the SST Modifieds yesterday at Wyoming County. Dave Krawczyk yet again in the Super Stocks and Jimmy Pierce. Uh, son of Jim Pierce, having a great year in the four-cylinders. He got another win at the Perry Bull Ring yesterday. And uh, who am I missing? Oh, well, I forgot about Monday and Tuesday night. The Dirt Car 350, or Big Block Modifieds were in town on uh, Monday and Tuesday. Super Matt Shepard uh, picking up the win on Monday night at Merrittville. And then Tuesday night, Stuart Friesen uh, picked up the win at his uh, former home track. He got the win at Ransomville on Tuesday night. A couple of great shows uh, for the Super Dirt Car Big Block Modifieds here in the area. And uh, some good runs by some 358 guys, too, with the lesser horsepower. Uh, Chad Brockman, Mike Bowman came through the field late on Mer at Merrittville on Monday, and, and Chad also had a good run on Tuesday night as well, too. Uh, racing action tonight, you can check out the Humberstone Speedway in Port Colborne, Ontario, because they have the uh, Southern Ontario Sprint Sprint Car action along with their regular weekly divisions at the Humberstone Speedway tonight, they get racing at 6.30. And I was trying to pull up their website fast enough so I could tell you who won there last week, but it's just not cooperating. So uh, we get back. Again, we're on for the next hour. Uh, coming up at 12.05, Adam Stern from Sport Business Journal is going to join us again, talk about the business of NASCAR, uh, some uh, sponsorship uh, change is going to come for the Sprint Cup Series, well, it, Cup Series in 2017. We'll talk to Adam about that. And then uh, at the bottom of the hour, again, Danny Knoll Jr. and Katie Knoll will join us in studio, talk about a big event they've got coming up uh, later this year. So uh, stay tuned. We're on for another hour here, another hour fast track coming up next here. 12.02 here on WGR Sports Radio 550. Welcome back to WGR's Fast Track. I'm Dave Buchanan, an extended edition of the show today as uh, coverage of today's Cheese at 355 at the Glen won't begin until 1.30 this afternoon, uh, courtesy of the Motor Racing Network. Green flag just after 2.30 here today. So uh, stay tuned. We will have live flag-to-flag uh, -flag coverage. And once again, if you're looking for the race on TV today, it is on the USA Network due to uh, NBC's uh, Olympic coverage, of course. That's why it's forced to USA. And so that's uh, making things a challenge for the, the folks at the Peacock between uh, the Olympics and NASCAR and every, Formula One. Uh, they've had to really juggle some of their uh, channel lineups and everything for all the sports they're covering right now with, with the Olympic coverage going on from Rio. So it is uh, on the USA Network this afternoon. Uh, coming up here in just a couple of minutes, we'll talk to Adam Stern uh, from Sports Business Journal about the, the business of the sport. But again, today's race at the Glen, uh, the freshly paved road course at Watkins Glen International. And one of the things I talked about on Friday when I was out with Howard Simon uh, let me look at let me just easing that in there. Uh, talking about what kind of race we're going to have today, and, and one of the things I mentioned, of course, was uh, the tires. The, whenever they do a repave, they do some testing, 
and then Goodyear panics and brings a really hard tire. That's pretty much how, how Tony Stewart described it earlier this year at one of the other tracks that got resurfaced. I think it was Kentucky. Uh, and that's kind of the case we've got today for Watkins Glen. They did the test uh, last uh, two weeks ago at the Glen, and uh, the tires kind of wore out a little bit. So Goodyear has brought a pretty hard tire for today's race, and tire wear is really minimal, it sounds like. Uh, guys can run 10, 15 laps, and the lap speed, there's almost it not even fall off. In fact, times almost improve uh, as they get a few more laps on these tires. So that is going to throw all sorts of interesting strategy in today's race. Uh, teams might be able to make very long runs when it comes to tires. Obviously, they'll need to come down for fuel, of course. So the pit strategy, though, could get really off the wall this afternoon, especially with teams gambling maybe to try and win today to get a chase berth. You, you know, you got to look at guys like A.J. Allmendinger, uh, Kyle Larson, Jamie McMurray, the people that are pretty good road course racers or, or did strong qualifying efforts like in Kyle Larson. Uh, they might take a gamble today with pit strategy and, uh, you know, throw caution to the wind and just try and, and see how long they can run today, especially with the tires not falling off at all this afternoon. It, it could be a really wild race on top of, you know, just how crazy road course racing has become in NASCAR and it's how it's become this almost full contact style of racing at times, especially at the Glen. Obviously, we remember that that finish a couple of years ago between Kyle Busch and Brad Keselowski. Uh, this this will be definitely an interesting race to watch this afternoon and listen to here on WGR. But we're going to go to the AT&T hotline and bring in from Sports Business Journal, Adam Stern joins us on the line. Adam is the uh, motorsports reporter for the publication. He joins us now. Adam, it's Dave Buchanan here in Buffalo. Good morning. Great to talk to you. Hey, how you doing, Dave? Thanks so much for having me on. No problem. Uh, let, let's start with today's race at Watkins Glen. Uh, Adam, it, obviously the on-track uh, product at the Glen it has become improved over the last uh, you know, seven, eight years. It's gotten more a lot of attention from fans. Uh, the Glen has done a lot to the facility. The The camping is a big draw as well, too. And for the second straight year, as you pointed out on, on Twitter not too long ago, that the the Glen is coming close to selling out their reserve seating once again. Yeah, it's definitely good news for, for you know, Watkins Glen and ISC. You know, obviously they had a, a bit of a tough second quarter there, ISC, so have this, you know, in their third quarter and have a, a track that's showing to be up about year over year and selling out the reserves grandstands, about 35,000 of them once again, is certainly a good sign. Obviously, there's been some races this year, you know, Indianapolis most recently that have had some tough crowds and, and crowds that caught a lot of people's eyes in a not-so-great fashion. So, yeah, certainly great news for, you know, NASCAR and, and ISC. Anytime you can see a situation like that where, you know, you're having a year-over-year uptick. You know, it's not easy these days. So, yeah, I think a lot of people are obviously, you know, impressed with, with what the Glen can do. You see a lot of people clamoring to maybe see them eventually in the chase. And, yeah, the racing on track is always great. So, no, certainly a good storyline for, for the sport heading into the day. I know, especially on social media, there, there's so much doom and gloom with with people with the sport. You know, they, they see crowds like Indy, and anytime there's a report that TV ratings are, are slightly down, people kind of freak out. And, and racing is the only sport that's like that, by the way. I want to mention that. I, I, I don't see this with any other sport, just how people get so caught up on attendance and TV ratings like they do when it comes to NASCAR. But from from your perspective, we has the sport turned a corner? I, I think, you know, maybe it bottomed out when the economy bottomed out. But uh, it, it seems like it might be a slow uptick, but it, it seems like the sport's turning a quarter and, and increasing somewhat in, in exposure and in everything. It, it'll never hit its peak like it did maybe earlier in this century. But obviously, I, I think, at least in my opinion, the sport is kind of starting to rebound a little bit. 
Yeah, yeah. I think first and foremost, to your earlier point, I agree that there's certainly a fixation in this sport, and, and you know, in, in part, it might be driven by you know reporting like mine, um, you know, on, on the business side of the sport. But you know, the one thing I say to some folks is just you know, the business side of this sport is is so important, um, you know, relative to what you see with stick and ball leagues, where you know, for example, if they don't get a given sponsorship, they're still tipping off the ball or or you know, playing football, kicking off, et cetera. Well, you don't get a sponsorship in motorsports. Or, you know, if ratings aren't doing well, things of that nature can really have a, a really detrimental impact. So I think that's potentially why you see uh, such a fixation on it. Now, that being said, as far as uh, whether they turn a quarter or not, I think so to, to an extent. I mean, you know, to your point, obviously, you know, the crowds and, and the TV ratings sort of peaked, you know, around, what, 2007, 2008. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you saw some tough years uh, kind of trying to, to stabilize. But I certainly think they have stabilized to a large extent. You know, obviously, there, there's still some some tracks and races where they're trying to, you know, get better or, or do better. Obviously, again, you know, as we were saying, Indy's kind of sticks out recently as, as a track where, you know, you'll see some increased efforts to trying to grow that crowd year over year heading into next year for sure. Um, some other ones like, you know, the Bristol Spring Race and, and the New Hampshire Spring Race, et cetera. So, you know, I think there's certainly, certainly some, still some work to do, but, uh, you know, the, the sport's definitely doing okay. There's no doubt about it. I mean, if you look at the TV ratings relative to other TV ratings, or if you look at the attendance relative to other sports, there's no doubt that it's doing solid. I mean, you know, for example, if you look at Indianapolis, it was a it was seen as a really not great crowd, and there was at least twenty, thirty thousand folks there. You know, in, our sources told us that Indianapolis Motor Speedway was their official attendance was somewhere in the fifty range, and I mean, it's tough to tell exactly because obviously it's such a big facility. But yeah. to your point, I mean. The, the, the crowds and the TV ratings are still very large if you compare them to other sports or other entertainment. So I agree. I think the sport's doing okay. It's certainly stabilized. The question is, is it going to continue to be, is it, can it kind of really find that mainstream appeal again, or is it just going to be a niche? I think that's what's going to be something that everyone's going to look out for moving forward. One of the great indicators of that could be coming very soon, Adam, when, when NASCAR eventually announces, which when we expect in October, the new series sponsor for what is known as the Cup Series. And I know you've been very close to this topic. Just give us an update from uh, what you've been hearing on NASCAR's search for a new sponsor for the Cup Series. Yeah, we reported this week uh, in, in the Sports Business Journal that, uh, you know, we spoke to NASCAR recently with our chief sales officer, Jim O'Connell, and he had indicated that they were still talking to about 12 different brands, 12 brands that could, you know, roughly around a dozen brands that could potentially land it. Uh, you know, we've heard from our sources that they're closing in on around three favorites. They, they've really kind of zeroed in on around three to four favorites that they think have the best chance to potentially land us, and they're honing in on them. Um, as far as kind of those 12 brands that still may potentially in the mix, you know, we had reported Hisense, Kroger, Coca-Cola, Yum Brands, and Samsung. So we'll wait to see who exactly lands it. It may not be one of those five. It may be another one of the other seven that are still kind of in the mix. But those are some of the brands that we know have, have had talks and have been in touch with NASCAR recently about potentially landing this deal. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. And, you know, obviously there's, there's an interesting mix there, you know, whether you go with a tech partner or you go with a retail partner. You know, you go with a QSR, like Yum Brands and all their variant brands. So, you know, sort of a variant mix there, and it would be really interesting to see over the next kind of two months who steps up. You know, most most companies set their following year's marketing budget, you know, around September at the latest. So to that extent, you know, NASCAR has about two months, you know, really in their sweet spot to where yeah. they want to land a, a company. So, you know, they're certainly kind of down to crunch time here over the next two months, and uh, it would be really interesting to see what happens. But, you know, I do think, you know, based off what we've heard from, from everything and, and folks who we've spoken to, there's certainly enough – there's stuff – there's enough going on where NASCAR will find a sponsor. It's just going to be a question of who. They certainly have a number of candidates at this point, and it's really just going to be a matter of 
who they think is both ponying up enough and is going to be a good partner for the sport moving forward. I find the the one that stands out the most to me is Kroger, uh, a chain of sh- uh, supermarkets, uh, but but they're not a national chain. I mean, there's there's no Kroger supermarkets here in the Buffalo market, although we're, you know we're not a major TV market. But I, I found that one to stand out because it isn't a national brand. Yeah, it's interesting. They 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 own a you know Kroger itself with, with that name is certainly not nationwide, but they own a number of of different grocery store chains. You know, Safeway, Harris Teeter. So, you know, with, if you, when you take into account all the different grocery store chains they own, they're certainly much closer to having a national footprint. Now, that being said, you know, for example, they own Safeway, but if it's the, if it's the Kroger Cup Series, then, you, you know, how would they necessarily be able to show when they're going to, for example, Sonoma, that, you know, they also own Safeway? So it could get a little interesting, it, you know, how exactly they would slice and dice it could be a little bit troublesome. And that's why I think, you know, Kroger could have some trouble ultimately landing this. But, you know, they're certainly a brand that, that's had some interest and, you know, they could be good for the sport in a number of different ways. I mean, you know, they deal with, with literally thousands of different companies on, on, a, on a weekly basis just through all the different companies that are doing business in their stores. So, you know, to that extent, they could potentially bring a lot of activation to the sport if, if the deal was done right. I do think it would be tough to potentially structure this one just, just the way Kroger sets their deals up and yeah. retail partners set their deals up. They have a lot of their kind of vendor partners help pay for their sponsorships when it comes to teams, for example, with Kroger and JTG Doherty Racing. So, you know, whether that sort of structure could ultimately be applicable and apply to the, the Cup Series title sponsorship, I think it's tough, and, and it might be what they're trying to figure out right now. But, you know, I do think that, that it's conceivable they end up landing there. Uh, Adam Stern from Sports Business Journal joining us. Adam, uh, we had the announcement, official announcement this morning that uh, Furniture Row Racing expanding to a two-car team next year with Eric Jones and Five Hour Energy moving over to join him. And uh, again, uh, an interesting move because Five Hour uh, was with Clint Boyer at Michael Waltrip Racing, moved with him to H. Scott Motorsports this year. But uh, they are, are jumping off the Boyer bandwagon and onto the Eric Jones bandwagon. Uh, it's a, a good brand to have in the sport, but uh, they, they make a big jump here for next season. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this was a, a story we were chasing for a number of months. Ultimately, had to hold off on it for just because some of our sourcing didn't ultimately match up, and we decided to just kind of hold off. And to your point, it was ultimately revealed today. Um, and, you know, everything we understood the past couple months, you know, did was pretty much confirmed today. And essentially... You know, Five Hour Energy, uh, you know, obviously has had a long-term relationship with Clint Boyer, but when Clint Boyer was going to SHR, that obviously presented a conflict with, with Monster Energy being with the 41 of, of Kurt Busch. So, you know, ultimately, whether it was Monster Energy that, that blocked Five Hour from coming or whether there was just so much uncertainty about whether Five Hour could come over that it decided to just kind of take its business elsewhere and because it couldn't really navigate exactly what was going on at SHR, not 100% sure exactly where that came down, but in any event, Eventually, Five Hour realized that it wasn't going to work at, five, at, at SHR, you know, due to the situation there. And, you know, they just kind of started talking to other teams in the sport. And, you know, it's it, certainly this move with Eric Jones has been in the works for, for many, many months. And, um, you know, it was a great option for them. You know, he's obviously one of the up-and-coming drivers in the sport. Uh, you know, obviously Toyota is absolutely on fire right now. And, and Furnace Row has a, has a great alliance with, with JGR that's, you know, seen them really kind of vault to the top with 78 there. So, you know, I think in, to that extent, it was a nice move for, for five hours to kind of be able to pivot from, you know, a, a guy who's done really great for them in Clint Boyer, but that situation just wasn't going to work out starting in 2017. And so I think they found the next best option. 
Well, Adam, like you said, there is a, a lot of fascination about the, the media and business uh, news when it comes to this sport, and I, I enjoy uh, getting to talk about it whenever I can and, and uh, definitely enjoy this time with you this morning. Thank you so much. Thank you for being flexible, by the way. We had to change things up on the fly this morning because of the A-Rod presser, but uh, thank you so much for the time, and uh, hopefully we can talk again soon. No, no, likewise. Let's go the same way. Thanks a lot. All right. Adam Stern from uh, Sports Business Journal. You can follow him on Twitter, by the way. Uh, he does great job breaking a lot of NASCAR sponsorship news. Uh, A underscore S12 is uh, Adam on Twitter. You can follow him, and uh, he provides a lot of uh, great uh, motorsports news when, when it comes to the sport. Um, glad we were able to catch up with him this morning here on WGR. Uh, we got some open time. Your phone lines are open, 803 888-550-2550. If you want to get in, uh, maybe you're on your way to the Glen or you're at the Glen and you're listening to us, feel free to to chime in and give us a report from the track. Or uh, if you just want to sit at home and you want to join us too, 803-0551-888-550-2550. Obviously, all, one guy everybody's going to be keeping an eye on today is Jeff Gordon, who once again is driving for Dale Earnhardt Jr. in the 88 car today for Hendrick Motorsports. And Jeff continues to... I guess struggle would be the word to use. Uh, still getting used to, to driving the uh, the 2016 version of the, the Cup car, and uh, he qualified 21st today, so starting right in the middle of the field. Jeff, of course, a four-time winner at Watkins Glen, although it's been some time since he's been to Victory Lane. But I think, you know, maybe once with the ex- the practice time and qualifying everything Jeff's had behind the wheel, maybe he'll be able to work his way to the front at some point today. And, of course, more noticeably, or more notably for today for Gordon is that today is his 800th uh, career start in the Spring Cup Series. He, he is in the uh, the top 10 uh, all time in the, the Spring Cup Series starts with those 800, and uh, that, another big accomplishment for his career. Very interest, uh, good for him that he was able to retire sitting on 797, but was uh, since he coming out of retirement to fill fill in for Dale Jr. He'll get past 800s, just another uh, notch on his resume when eventually he gets inducted into the, the NASCAR Hall of Fame. But we'll see if uh, Jeff can uh, be a factor in today's race at all in the 88 car. We heard from Dale Jr., by the way, on Friday. He was at Watkins Glen. He flew up for the day. He's not going to be there for the race today, but he was there on Friday uh, hanging out with Jeff and Greg Ives in the 88 team, and he also spoke with the media and uh, didn't give a, a timetable on, on his return. He's still going through everything. Uh, the, the doctors, uh, you know, pushing him to to co- get back to 100% with these concussion issues that he's doing. Uh, still did not say when he's going to be back. We do know that he's still not going to be back uh, with, the, well, there's the off weekend coming up next weekend, and then the Bristol race. He will not run Bristol in two weeks. And uh, we'll see after that when he gets back behind the car and if Jeff Gordon continues to fill in for him, if if Gordon continues to miss time. One of the things that Dale Jr. mentioned, uh, uh, first of all, the apparently the doctors have narrowed down that uh, the crash he had at Michigan is what triggered this round of concussion-like symptoms, whether uh, he didn't specifically say that he suffered a concussion at Michigan, but he did say that this it must have been enough of a jolt where either it gave him a concussion or it just triggered something that uh, set off uh, these concussion-like symptoms that he's continuing to battle back with. I, I, and he also uh, pointed out that previously um, when he suffered concussions in the past, like back in 2002, that basically he was prescribed rest to get better. But this time around, he said it's been a, a totally different uh, treatment plan uh, they've been challenging him to to do more with his brain and, and to try and uh, help uh, 
regain his, his full cognizance 100% back um, with uh, working with his brain and going through so, some training, and he's been uh, still working out. Um, Jeff Gordon mentioned that anytime he's been talking to Dale Jr. over the last few weeks, he's been on a treadmill running. So he, he's trying to stay you know, physically active and what his brain can handle. And also going back to the track on Friday was kind of part of that rehab, just being around all this, the, sense, the, the sensory things of being at the races, the noise, uh, the, the smells, the uh, the activity, all that, uh, all the impulses around you, uh, being at, at a racetrack, even that was part of, of Dale's rehab is, is just being back in those surroundings, uh, not only for his for his trying to get better from these concussions, but I, I think also it has a little psychological reasoning. I think it felt good for him just to be back at the track and see some people that he probably hasn't seen a whole lot of over the last two weeks, especially his his crew members on the 88 team, and I'm sure that made him feel a lot better because you can only imagine being a race car driver and having to get out of the car and sit home and, and not be at the track. And I, I'm sure that that has some kind of psychological impact on I would on anyone that that was was in that in that situation. And but for him to get back to the track and uh, just be around all that, even for just a day, I'm, I'm sure uh, made him feel a little more at ease as he continues to to come back. And uh, as he comes back, and we'll see if he gets back behind the wheel. But he would not, you know, put a timetable on anything. Uh, totally said he would not. He's not considering retirement anytime soon. He still has unfinished business, in his opinion, in the sport. Probably winning a championship. Uh, I think that'd be the the next big thing on his checklist if he can get there to win a cup championship before he retires. He's already got the two Daytona 500 wins. Uh, I believe 26 career wins in the the Spring Cup series. So obviously he would like to have at least maybe one more shot to go for the championship uh, before he's retired. So. Dale Jr. out, Jeff Gordon uh, in the 21 car today for Hendrick Motorsports. And Hendrick continuing to have their struggles, at least in comparison to Joe Gibbs Racing and the Toyota teams that have dominated the sport here in 2016. And it's amazing uh, just how much they've uh, I, you know, struggled. And now even Chase Elliott, we talked about how, how for a long time Chase Elliott was the, the best performing driver in the Hendrick organization here uh, through you know maybe about the first half of the regular season, but now even Chase uh, has hit a bit of a uh, a bad stretch. He's had some crashes and he's had some some bad luck, and he is now 13th in point standings. And now he's gonna really have to be on it here these last few weeks of the season to make sure he points himself into the chase, um, especially now when you add another driver that has that is outside the top 16 that has won a race in Chris Busher and his upset win at Pocono last week, uh, obviously using some strategy that, that worked to his favor staying out before as the fog rolled in and before the, the final uh, batch of rain came in and shortened that race on Monday afternoon. But now Chris Busher, if he can get into the top 30 in points, and I think he eventually will, he comes into day 31st, but only six points uh, out of the top 30. Um, once he's in, that means another one less fewer driver will get uh, in on points, as I believe that will get us to twelve. Yeah, twelve different winners in 2016. You've got the the ten drivers in the top ten in points: Harvick, Kozlowski, the Bushes, Edwards, Logano, Johnson, Truex, Hamlin, and Kenseth. 
And then you've got Tony Stewart, who, of course, won at Sonoma. He's in the top 30 in points. He's going to make the chase because of that. And then if Chris Buescher can get into the top 30 in points by the time we get to Richmond, he will also get into the chase. So that'll give us 12 drivers with wins. That means only four drivers in on points. And uh, out of those drivers currently, uh, Chase is in that in that bubble right now. It would be Austin Dillon, Ryan Newman, Chase Elliott, and Jamie McMurray uh, if the Chase were to start today. And, and Busher had been in the Chase. So, but but Chase is is going to have to hang on here for a few more weeks to try and qualify for the Chase in his rookie season. Uh, right now, he would be about twenty five points to the good uh, coming into today over Kyle Larson, who is fifteenth uh, in the standings. Uh, Elliot's got about 25 points on him, but but if Elliot has a bad day here at the Glen, he did pretty good at Sonoma earlier this year. But if he runs into more trouble, and of course Bristol in two weeks, uh, you know trouble can befall anybody at that track uh, if if you if you're not careful. So uh, obviously Chase Elliot, uh, if he continues his downward tread over the last couple of weeks, could bump him out, and really we could have a chase scenario where Jimmy Johnson is the only Hendrick driver in the chase. Uh, I mean Casey Kane is further down the standings. Unless Dale Jr. somehow comes back and before the end of the regular season and he'll win a race, he is 20th in points, by, points, by the way. So uh, he'll likely finish in the top 30, especially if he comes back after Bristol and he manages to win in those last couple of weeks. Somehow Dale Jr. does qualify into the chase. I'm sure NASCAR will give him an injury waiver. Um but really, there's the potential for Hendrick Motorsports only sending one car to the chase here in 2016. That is pretty amazing, considering how dominant that team was uh, in just a few years ago. But now the tables have shifted in the sport, and it's heavily right now on the Toyota teams of Joe Gibbs Racing and Furniture Row Racing. When we come back here on Fast Track, we'll be joined in studio by local racers Danny Knoll Jr. and daughter Katie Knoll. They're going to talk about a big event they've got coming up later this year for charity, and we'll talk to them next here on Fast Track on WGR. 12.33 here on WGR, Sports Radio 550, Dave Buchanan and WGR's Fast Track, a special extended edition here on this Sunday afternoon and also got a little off to a little late start because of the Alex Rodriguez press conference in case you missed the news. I know Mike just had it in his update too, but uh, Alex Rodriguez will play his final Major League Baseball game on Friday for the New York Yankees. Uh, if you're looking for more coverage on that, you can head over to our sister station, ESPN 1520. We'll also have a little bit of ESPN radio between us and the NASCAR broadcast today uh, coming up at 1 o'clock. But joining me in studio right now, I want to welcome Danny Knoll Jr. and his daughter, Katie Knoll. Guys, good to see you. Good morning. Thanks for having us today. Uh, you guys got a, a big event coming up. You run with uh, the New York, uh, the NY6A, the New York State uh, 600 Micro Sprint Series, and you guys got a really cool event coming up on Saturday, September the 10th at the uh, Freedom Motorsports Park down in Delavan. Uh, tell, us, tell us about it a little bit here. Okay, well, the event is to benefit breast cancer awareness and research. We've run this. This will be our third year in a row that we've run the event. It originally came up, uh, my son was kind of combing the internet for the uh, class that he was running. He said, Dad, you know, there's a lot of girls that run micro sprints. We ought to have an all-female race. Yeah. That came about, and we said, well, why don't we put a charity component to it? And it kind of blossomed from there. And we got a ton of interest. Uh, the, the first year we ran it, we actually had a girl from Australia come up. Cool. We've had girls from Florida, Virginia, Oklahoma, Texas, Indiana. The only one we haven't gotten so far is uh, California. We're still working hard on that. Um, but it's been fantastic. It's been well-received. Um, there isn't anybody that hasn't been touched by breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it's one of the motorsports events that 
everybody goes and you do a weekly event and sometimes you know the, you're not getting along with everybody each and every week this is an event you go to and no matter who you're not getting along with you get to the end of the day and you really feel good about it because you're helping uh, you're helping a cause and then the end result really doesn't matter that much we all want to win yeah but still everybody feels good at the end of the day how does now? Where does the the charity come in? Where, where does the money get raised from? Is it from entry fees? Is it from admission? Uh, how do you get the the money to to the charity? It's all the way around. Um, Bob Reese, who owns Freedom Motorsports mm-hmm. Park, um, him and his staff will volunteer their time and the use of the track. Basically, all we do is cover the insurance for the day. Sure. Everything else they take in from back gate, front gate. Um, we do some raffles while we're there. The entry fees. Everything goes towards the charity. So anybody that does go there and wants to witness the event or put some money into it, they know that there's nothing being taken out other than that insurance component that we have to do as far as the cost goes. So all the money's going there. We don't take a nickel out of it. Yeah, that's a necessity. Any motors, For those that don't know, any kind of motorsports event, uh, you need to have an insurance, pol- insurance policy on it and uh, need to cover that on, on top of having an ambulance on the property. So that's, that's a given, but that's great. Uh, how much success uh, do you know dollar-wise from the first two editions of this race have you done in the past? Well, the last two years we did it at Lime Rock Speedway out in Mumford, Caledonia area, and it was club run. And we ended up the first year just, I believe, under 5000 The next year we were well over five, wow. And we actually found an angel to match that year. So in reality, it's close to $15,000 over two years. That so, is... It was great. Yeah, that's phenomenal. It's uh, really good. Let's let's back up for a second, though, and maybe, Katie, you can help explain this. For those that don't know, what is a 600 micro sprint? It is um, a 600cc. I run a Kawasaki motor, which is like an engine and, say, a motorcycle on the road. Yep. And there's a roll bar on it, like a whole chassis you go in it. And the cars we run, we have a top wing. There are wingless and winged cars, but I run mostly the top wing, where there's just a huge wing that helps with our aerodynamics around the corner. And... Go around the track and go fast. They're fun to race. Yeah, open-wheel cars that, that run on dirt and, and kind of a, a precursor for, for a lot of racers that want to get involved in sprint car racing, right? Definitely, yes. Um, I know a, a handful of drivers that have made that step, and you race on the tour along with your brother and a little competition last night I heard at the Genesee Speedway. <laughs> Definitely, yes. I started on the pole, actually, and he started right behind me, and we ended up third and fourth right right behind each other. So. But the funny part was I heard there was some smack talk beforehand, <laughs> but uh, but your brother couldn't deliver on, the, on, the, on what he was saying before the race. He was pretty confident that he was going to get by me on the start, but I started to walk away, and if it wasn't for a caution, I feel I probably could have won, but... Stuff happens, caution, flew in, a little restart fumble for me, and I got dropped back to third, and he caught back up to fourth. So it was a good race overall. Danny, uh, I know you've been around this sport forever. Your, your dad raced uh, modifieds and late models at Holland, and, of course, you did as well, too. Uh, as a dad, how cool has this part of your racing career been, uh, watching your Katie, Danny the third, I, I think Christy raced, too, a little bit. Uh, just how cool has it been for you as a dad to watch all of them get involved in the sport like this? Oh, it's a great time. Uh, We put a lot of time and effort in, just like any race team. The family component, and you see this in a lot of teams, too, that Mm. uh, it it keeps your family together, keeps you extremely close. I had the the rare benefit of being able to race against my dad, which you witnessed quite a bit uh, back at Lancaster. And I I tell you, a lot of those memories came back since I run the Sportsman a few times uh, this year, Mm -hmm. coming back out. It felt really good to be back. And and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that uh, Lancaster Speedway is doing a great job bringing that track back. Mm -hmm. And I really hope that the fans will come out and start enjoying the track again because it's uh, overall um, little bits and pieces every time you go there are nicer. Um, the excitement's coming back to the track. And and I really hope they succeed, whether, you know, I'm out running this, this micro sprint tour or not. 
um, it's good to see racing coming back into Buffalo. Of course, yeah, you grew up racing on the pavement. You'll still do with with the sportsman. I know we, uh, on behalf of Lancaster Speed, we appreciate your comments. But how different has it been for you? I know you're not driving, but just to prepare cars to race on dirt after being on the pavement for most of your career. Oh, it's miserable because you have these preconceived (laughs) ideas of what you think should work, and it's totally different on dirt. Uh, We were at Batavia a few years ago where uh, my son and uh, Tyler Walker wins quite a bit on our series. They were racing. Danny was uh, catching Tyler, had a chance to get him near the end now, and there was a huge crater up in three and four, and Danny literally had a broken panar bar Uh and one of the shock mounts broken off and bouncing all over the place. And if you did this on an asphalt car, you'd be upside down and on fire. (laughs) And for a dirt car, it was absolutely, you know, okay, just keep on racing. Um, Unfortunately, hit the crater, blew off the track, came back. I still finished third. Um, And it was just amazing to me how far off the car can be and how much it's driver-centric where, you know, we're a quarter inch off on something on the asphalt car and you're out to launch. So you, you really have to have your setup right. The dirt cars, it's it's much more driver, in my opinion, now that I've been so involved. Yeah, I I, I hear it from lots of guys, uh, uh, Chuck uh, Chuck Hosfeld, Todd Hoddick, all these guys that started on pavement. They've tried the dirt thing. Todd's had some success. Chuck, not so much. Uh, maybe he'll yeah. go back to it someday, but it's like night and day from everybody I've talked to. Yeah, definitely. I had the opportunity to run um, the micro sprint a couple different times over a few years. And they're interesting, did okay in it, but uh, it's just, it's totally different. And, and you can choose a different line every single lap. Yeah. You know, and, and actually it's hard to hit the same line every lap. So it, um, yeah, definitely a different discipline. I think it makes you a better asphalt driver, though, if you do get an opportunity to run some dirt, especially when the kids are younger. Danny Knoll Jr. and Katie Knoll joining us here in studio on WGR's Fast Track. Katie, you're... Uh We'll call it career is coming to a crossroads, though. I hear you got a, a big. You you do pretty well in hockey as well too. And uh, tell us what you've got ahead of you on your hockey career coming up. Um, well, yes, I have been playing since I was around two years old, so I've been playing for about twelve or so years, more or less. And I did recently just commit to Northeastern University for a full ride scholarship to play hockey there. So <clears throat> I'm very excited for that opportunity, and it's it's awesome for someone as young as me to be able to commit for for college, and it's. It's truly a great experience, and to keep racing as well, to do both, it's I have the best of both worlds right now. So, I actually, we sh- how old are you, Kay? I, I, how close are you to getting to college? I actually just finished on my freshman year in high school. I'm only 15 years old. That is amazing. Congratulations to I'm, sh- I'm sure Dad feels great because that's just a load off the the, the checkbook, <laughs> knowing you're going to have a full ride in Northeastern. But freshman year, and you've already committed to a, a D1 school and a full ride. That is awesome. Fantastic. Um, how how is that adjusting? I'm sure you, you've got to be the ultimate competitor then with all, with all you do with with hockey and motorsports. Definitely, I'm de- I'm very competitive. It's even at our house, dinners a competition. So <laughs> very competitive family, but you no, know, always on the ice and definitely on the racetrack. Me and my brother we're very competitive, and on the racetrack I'll have someone pass me, and my next goal will be I need to pass them back. It's just always that mindset of very competitive. Well, since you're you're playing hockey, I know. Buffalo has now a, a pro female hockey team, the Buttes, that played down at the Harbor Center. That's got to be, uh, for, for you, I know it, it's still a ways away for your career, but to, to someday, if you get once you get through Northeastern, that you, knowing that there's a, another level of hockey for you out there. Yeah, it's very exciting to see that all come up, and especially that there's a team in Buffalo. That would be honestly a dream come true if after college I could p- play professional women's hockey. I mean, it's not a job right now. There's definitely not enough money to do it as for a full-time job, mm-hmm. but... 
it would definitely be a great opportunity to be able to play in that league. And that going to Northeastern, there's a lot of pre- that's Boston. That that's the the hub right there of hockey. That you got uh, Harvard and Brown and Yale. You've got all the Ivy League schools, Boston College. There that there's got to be some intense rivalries that uh, you're going to be looking forward to uh, once you get up there. From what I heard, definitely between Boston College, BC, and then Boston University. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of competition there, which definitely I don't back down from. So I'm excited. Dad, do you have a preference, hockey or racing, with your daughter's career? What, 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 obviously, you grew up in the motorsports, but did you, did you, when you were planning your family, did you see your kids excelling in hockey instead of motorsports? Not really, but I was fortunate enough to grow up at the time. I was 12 years old when the Sabres hit uh, the 75 Stanley Cup Finals, uh-huh. and I made sure all my kids had an opportunity to play hockey. <laughs> so, and, and it's been great for the family, too. That's our winter thing. Mm-hmm. In the summer, we're doing the racing. And um, I really don't care which way they go. I, you know, to quote my other daughter, Christy, she always said, "Well, racing's not going to pay the bills. You know, <laughs> I I got to get to school, Dad. Yeah. So I think it's great that Katie's been able to commit. She's going to be at a great school. Um, you know, and if something doesn't work out, uh, like the older one, she goes to Canisius, and she's well on her way to you know getting her management marketing degree, and she'll end up having a decent career too. You know, if you if the dream happens, it doesn't matter which dream it is, sure. as long as it's theirs and they're doing well at it. That's all I care about. Again, Katie, there's still a lot of time to get there, but have you thought about a, a choice of major yet once you get to Northeastern? Actually, yes, I have. I think I'm just going to go with what most of the family has. And I'm right now I'm kind of leaning towards a business management type thing because every business needs a manager, so, yeah. as my dad says. <laughs> Very good. Stay away from broadcasting communications. As someone that knows, stay stay away from this field. If you want to actually make money, do not <laughs> go go with the marketing degree and not the, uh, the uh, broadcasting communications degree. Uh, we're almost out of time, but, Danny, one more thing for you. Uh, um, you. You mentioned it. You can't make a living racing unless you're a NASCAR but it has changed uh, on the local level. You used to racers back in the 60s and 70s and even in the 80s could maybe race for a living or maybe at least have racing pay the bills during the summer months. But the, the local racing, while there's still lots of interest, I mean, our car counts are bouncing back up at Lancaster, but it's almost more of a, a hobby or a club deal now, it seems like, from the local level. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, the money dynamic has changed so much. The cars relative to what they were 30, 40 years ago are more expensive to run. <clears throat> you know, the fan base is not as large as it was because there's a lot of other distractions. A lot mm-hmm. of people, especially in millennials, they're into other things. Yeah. And it's important that uh, we keep trying to get those people back into the sport. And I think as the crowds come, maybe eventually you'll get to the point where you can have guys that regionally can make some money. But I think the guys that are, you know, quote-unquote professionals right now that run the short tracks, most of them have very well-funded teams. They might have an owner that that's their hobby, and, you know, they can afford to pay to have the best driver around drive their equipment. And it would be great to see the fans come back some more and see the exciting things we got going on in motorsports in general and be able to have some people that can actually make a living doing it. Once again, the Sprint to the Cure for uh, Breast Cancer Research uh, for the 600 Micro Sprint all-female race Saturday, September 10th at the Freedom Motorsports Park. And a quick Get a quick plug in. I know you guys are looking for for donation. Uh, you can get, get donations in w- with this. Yeah, event. anybody that's go? interested yeah. in donating their time, money, uh, gifts for uh, raffles, anything like that, they can get a hold of us. Go to the ny6a tour dot com. Uh, you can pick up. Uh, you can get my phone number. Uh, I believe right off there. If you can't, you can just throw me a quick email. I'll get in contact with you. Uh, keep in mind too. Not only do we have two all female races, wing and non wing, we also have a mixed gender races, basically your regular race. Yeah. Uh, so we'll have four divisions of excitement going on. It's a great time. Anybody can enter and anybody can help. 
Well, I, I think it's a great event. Uh, I wish you all the best of luck with that. Thanks so much for coming in this afternoon and joining us. And, Katie, best of luck with racing and also uh, with your hockey career as well. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Danny Knoll and Katie Nolan. Again, it's Saturday, September 10th, the Freedom Motorsports Park in Delavan, the Sprint to the Cure. And, again, the website is ny6atour.com. And uh, if also you want to uh, get in touch with Danny, you can uh, contact me as well uh, through uh, Twitter at Fast Track 550 or if you want to email me, uh, uh, Dave at uh, WGR550.com. I can forward your information on to Danny as well, too. Guys, again, best of luck. Uh, we're going to take a break here. We'll come back, wrap up Fast Track here on WGR. Uh, 12.50 here on WGR Sports Radio 550. Dave Buchanan wrapping up this edition of WGR's Fast Track. Coming up at the uh, top of the hour, it'll be uh, ESPN Radio till 1.30, and then we'll head out to Watkins Glen International for today's cheese at 355 at the Glen. Some breaking Bills news. We actually have two breaking Bills news stories. A, Marcel Darius is at Watkins Glen, and he is wearing the sailor hat again. I just saw a picture tweeted by uh, the Watkins Glen International account, and uh, they uh, did. Uh, they got a picture of Marcel, and he is wearing the sailor hat. So uh, he is at the Glen today. Uh, that, again, pretty neat that uh, the schedule worked out that he and I, I, I'm guessing is what Kirk Colbert said. Some other members of the Bills uh, got to come check out the race today, and, and Marcel was at uh, Daytona earlier this summer. But the more serious uh, breaking Bills news is Brandon Spikes has re-signed with the Buffalo Bills, uh, who did not play at all in uh, 2015 because of the hit-and-run incident. Uh, he has been re-signed by the Buffalo Bills. He was he played for the Bills in 2014. And then uh, rejoined the Patriots, was supposed to rejoin the Patriots last year, but then was involved in that hit and run. That I, I'm trying to remember, but that seemed like kind of a tra train wreck if I remember that whole deal. Um, so uh, with uh, Reggie Raglan going down, uh, Buffalo needing some linebacking help apparently, and Brandon Spikes is, uh, will rejoin the team. That is outstanding. Uh, we'll have more. With this, uh, stay tuned to uh, WGR550.com for the latest, and I'm sure uh, Howard and Jeremy will have lots more tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. here on WGR with uh, more on the Bills. And I'm not sure if they're, they're live at camp tomorrow, but um, did talk to Howard on Friday, and they were uh, at Bills training camp. So uh, football season in full swing. Yay. The Hall of Fame game is tonight, and uh, the Bills just signed Brandon Spikes. That That's fantastic. Uh, 803-0551, 888-552-550 as we wrap up uh, this edition of the program. Uh, again, looking forward to, to, to today's race at Watkins Glen. As we mentioned in the, the last hour, the uh, the pit strategy, tire strategy could really be off the wall today as there is not a lot of tire wear to be had, apparently with the compound Goodyear has brought. Again, uh, they didn't like the uh, the compound that was uh, that they brought for the test. Um, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, they've brought a much harder compound, and there is not a lot of tire wear, not a lot of fall off, and, and in fact, seeing reports that drivers actually got faster uh, after uh, 10, 15 laps. So uh, we'll see what happens if teams elect to forego uh, making tire changes, going fuel only on some pit stops. It could really uh, make things interesting this afternoon. And again, a lot of teams using today as a potential way to get that win they need to qualify for the chase. Obviously, A.J. Allmendinger, leads that contingent the uh driver that picked up 
a win there uh, two years ago in this race and launched him into the chase. Uh, they have struggled a bit over the last few weeks. I know AJ's been really venting some frustration um, over the, the, the last uh, frustration over the last few weeks. He's been crashed out of some races, uh, mechanical failures, and he's he had been hitting his breaking point right before this weekend. And uh, he will be uh, looking to rebound today at Watkins Glen, so he could be a potential favorite. As I said, Friday with Howard, I'm going with uh, Brad Keselowski as uh, my favorite for, for today. Uh, I think uh, Brad just uh, doing really well this season, despite his crash and testing there at the Glen two weeks ago. I think he uh, finds a way to get it done as he rolls off 12th this afternoon in the uh, number two car. That'll do it. We'll be back next week. Uh, off weekend for the Cup Series, but not an off weekend for us. We'll be back next Sunday. Hope you join us at our regular time. Hopefully no retiring baseball player press conferences to hold us up. We'll be back at 11 a.m. next Sunday here on WGR. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.